Welcome back to the Waiting Well podcast. In this episode, we are going to be diving into the question, has God forgotten me? This is a question that I found rose to the surface of my heart when I was navigating trying to conceive. And it's also a question that came up recently on an Instagram post when I was literally encouraging women that God has not forgotten them. And a woman commented and said, but what if I feel like God has forgotten me? So we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into what scripture says about that and our feelings because our feelings tend to be king when God's word should be king. Before we dive in further, I do want to remind you that the next masterclass will be taking place in early December. I am so excited. My husband and I are actually going to be hosting a class together, and we will be doing this on December 12th. That is a Tuesday night, and you want to spend date night with us. So there will be time, date, and all the details, the link on how to sign up. It is $37 for you to hop into that masterclass. We're really going to be just equipping your marriage to navigate trying to conceive and what God has taught us. And I promise you it is going to be so valuable for you. So spend that night with us on Tuesday. Hit the show notes and make sure that you get signed up. Okay, let's dive into today's topic. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. So I want to take us back. Um, I think it was last week I posted a reel on Instagram talking about an experience that I went through with my almost two-year-old daughter and just what God taught me through that experience. Basically, just this opportunity where I was like, wow, I my daughter really needed me and we have another baby coming. And I just felt like she wanted, she just needed in her little soul reminders that I have not forgotten her, that she is still my baby. And um, when change is around us or when we feel like we're not being paid attention to or things are not going the way that we would hope them to go, I think we can feel the same way about God the Father and just feeling and looking at our lives, asking ourselves the question, has God forgotten me? So I shared that encouragement in a reel, literally saying, God has not forgotten you. And a woman commented saying, what if I feel like God has forgotten me? And I said to my husband, that's such a great question. And I want to dive further into that question because I can resonate with that. That's definitely a question that I had myself going through my fertility journey for seven years. And there were plenty of days where I felt like, okay, God has truly forgotten me. Like I feel like I've been on hold (laughs) with this person trying to get to the customer service. And I've been on hold for like literally an hour. And there's no one that has come on to notify me and they told me just to wait. And then I'm waiting and waiting, waiting. And it's like, they forgot me. 
that's kind of how it's felt at times with my fertility journey, where I felt like I asked God for a baby, I asked the Lord to grow our family, then I'm sitting on hold for years. And I'm like, are you ever coming back to the phone to at least update me on what's going on? I feel like that's a really good analogy to like how I felt in the forgottenness of navigating our trying to conceive journey. So what do we do when our feelings do not align with the truth? AKA, God has not forgotten you. That's the truth. So what do we do when our feelings don't align with that? Well, here's the thing. We start with the foundation that not everything that we feel is rooted in truth, and therefore it needs to be analyzed and fought according to these questions that I'm about to walk you through and how God's word answers them. So questions that I actually heard in a our recent message at church that I was like, that is literally the solution. So I want to dive into that. I'm not going to regurgitate his whole sermon but I'll make sure to link it below so that you can listen to it if you would like to. A little bit of a different topic, but it applies to our topic as well because it's it's God's word and it's the foundation of everything. So how do we fix these feelings, if you will, or how do we make sure that we change or what do we do with our feelings, I guess, when we feel this way? We have to ask these questions. Who is God? What has God done for me? Who am I? How should I live as a result of these questions, answering those questions, and navigating trying to conceive? So that's where we're going to break down this question of feeling forgotten by God and reestablishing the truth that we are not forgotten by Him. So starting with the first question, who is God and what has He done? We're going to go into Exodus 34, 6 through 7 because this is where we are going to lay the foundation of God's identity and character. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. When we look at this passage explaining who God is and his character, the very first two things mentioned are he's merciful and gracious. That's where I want to focus answering this question, who is God and what has he done for me? When I looked up what merciful meant, according to God's mercy, it says that God shows his mercy for those who are suffering through healing, comfort, the alleviation of suffering, and caring about those in distress. He acts from compassion and acts with great mercy. Is that not fitting for us going through infertility? Like literally God's character, the first thing he says about himself of who he is, is that he's merciful. He looks at us suffering in our state of trying to conceive and desiring to become moms, and he has compassion. Like his heart is literally for us. That's the first thing that he says. It's for those that are suffering. And I feel like that is us, right? So boom, right away, we can establish who God is, that he is a merciful God. So already we can know that he has not forgotten us because in his character is 
the very definition of caring for people like us. So that's so powerful. And then the second part of that is that God is gracious and his grace is manifested in his goodness to people who do not deserve it. That's his grace. So God's mercy in creation and that mercy of like basically his compassion to those who are in suffering or whatnot was basically to create us, to create us and then to tell us, you know, multiply and be fruitful, which we talked about last episode. And then sin came into the world, right? And then God's mercy in the fall post-creation was him providing clothes for Adam and Eve after they had made the decision to disobey God, right? So when we look at Exodus and we see, okay, who is God? He is merciful and he is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Like this explains who God is. We look at the merciful and graciousness and dive a little bit deeper into this question of like, has God forgotten me? And we can understand that he has not because I'm literally the forefront of his mind. I am the very definition of someone in suffering. So his mercy, his like merciful heart, that is his character. It's impossible for him to have forgotten me. He would have to deny his character for that to be true. So when we feel that, we have to go to this question of, okay, if I believe that God's word is truth, then I have to believe also that God has not forgotten me because it says in his word that he is merciful. And what merciful means is that he shows his mercy to those who have suffered, aka me. And then his grace is that when I do not deserve it, he shows his goodness to me. I can't tell you how many times I've had to like reorient my thoughts that I deserve to be a mom. I don't deserve to be a mom. I don't deserve good things. I don't deserve to have my wish list granted to me by God, right? Like I think all of us have this, and I don't know if it's like Disney culture or like just our culture in general or being human, but it's like we just desire, we have like this wish list of like the ideal perfect life. If I just had this yard, if I just had this house, these finances, this job, this raise, these children, this life, like we can curate. And maybe it's like the social media aspect side, but like we can curate what an ideal picture of our life looks like. And in our heads, we can sometimes go so far to say that that's what God should be and should, like the role he should play in our life is to basically just be the executor and provide that for us. But that is not who he is, which is why we have to go back to that question. Who is God? Okay, well, it says that he's merciful and gracious. His grace, and we dive into this a little bit more, is that in Colossians 2.14, he canceled the record of debt that stood against you and me with legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Our sin, you and I, we all fall short of the glory of God that's also in scripture. So there is not one of you listening, there is not me or any of you listening that is above the sin that we should have had on our shoulders being nailed to a cross to pay for. Like we all deserve death, reality check. The grace is God's goodness to say, you are actually going to, I'm going to extend my goodness to you. I'm going to extend my mercy to you. And I'm going to act with compassion despite your sin. I'm going to cancel this record of debt by sending 
Jesus Christ, my son, and I am going to establish that you are no longer held accountable to the sin that you have, to that death legal demand that is on your shoulders, on your head, because I took it upon myself and I nailed it to the cross. That is so powerful when we think about it like that. Like, how could we possibly, like, I have yet to meet someone who has died for me. (laughs) That's just the reality. Like, literally, I have not. I have so many loved ones in my life and not one single person has physically died for me. So what that means is that if I believe my husband hasn't forgotten me because he loves me every day, but yet he has not died for me, if I believe my parents have not forgotten me because they love me consistently and they have not died for me, like how can we possibly ask that question of a God who sent John 3.16, sent his one and only son to die for me? How could we ask that question? Like that is the person who died for you and I, Jesus Christ. And it was his son that he sent to live in our human life, our human bodies, to take on death, to be nailed to the cross in shame and embarrassment. Like, what? How could we even let our thoughts go there? That is why we go to the question of who am I and what does this mean? How should I live in response to trying to conceive? Because It is great head knowledge, but what do we do with that head knowledge that God is actually such a gracious and merciful, compassionate God? That's his character. He can't deny himself. So let's dive into the question of who am I as a result of who God is? And we saw that in John 3.16 that, you know, we're saved. That's who we are. We are saved by his, you know, compassion and mercy for us. And then Matthew 16, 24 through 26. We see that Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? So I think why we ask the question of like, who am I? I think that's important because we need to establish the context of our identity in reflection of what God's identity is. So here we are, we've established that God is merciful and compassionate. That's what God's word says. It also says that he canceled the record of our debt. So now as a result, we think of ourselves because when we're asking the question, like, I don't feel like you've remembered me, God. I feel like you've forgotten me. We're misdefining who his character is and who we are. As a result. So, number one, we are no longer the same person. He has given us a new heart. I think it says that in Ezekiel, like he's given us a a heart of flesh, like he's he's basically like opened up our eyes. The blind man talks about like basically his testimony. Someone asked him, like, what happened? And he goes, I don't know. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. That is who we are. We are his children. And by John 3.16, we are identified as co-heirs in Christ. And so what does this mean for us and how we should live? We are to deny ourselves and follow him. I actually was doing some research on just the cross and what that means to like take up your cross and follow him. Because I think in my head, I'm like, oh, so like I just have to 
bear it and grin it, the fact that I'm walking through infertility, like that's kind of where my mind goes. And I'm like, I don't, is that accurate? And, you know, sure enough, I, I dig into it a little bit more. And the cross is like, obviously to us as Christians now, after the fact of Jesus Christ, it represents atonement, forgiveness, like this redemption story. It's no longer like, it's just the most powerful thing to us. However, when Jesus died, the cross represented a torturous death. It was literally for convicted criminals to carry out their own crosses, to be placed of crucifixion. Bearing the cross meant one was about to die. They would face ridicule, disgrace. Like it, it was terrible. So Jesus's command for us, like who am I now that God has been compassionate and merciful to me? Who am I because of who he is, is that I am someone who now takes up their cross and follows him. That means what is called self-abasement and self-sacrifice. Must be willing to die in order to follow Jesus. Dying to self is an absolute surrender to God. So when we think of the cross in terms of taking up our cross and following him, it's not just, oh, well, just take up your cross of infertility and just bear it and grin it and just praise the Lord. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is that in my compassion and mercy, I didn't want this for you, right? Like my desire was for you to, you know, fill the earth and multiply. But as a result of sin coming into the world and now me being compassionate and merciful, I'm challenging you that who you are now is someone who follows me, someone who does what I did and is willing to make that sacrifice to yourself. Like that's where our challenge comes in. And our self is desiring flesh, right? It's desiring like this picture of what our life should look like, whether it's timing or it's finances, or it's children, like we look at infertility and the reason we are frustrated with it is because we believe that our family should have started at X age or X time or over, you know, after so long of trying, like it should have just happened, right? When, and we feel like it's a punishment or we feel forgotten. That's what those feelings are coming from. But God is saying here in Matthew 16, that who you are is someone who is willing to die to yourself and you're in absolute surrender to me, which means that my timing is supreme and my way is supreme and my journey for your family is supreme and you're dying. It's like a constant death to what the self is desiring over God's will for your life. And so I think that's just like super powerful because it is a call to step in and really find our life in this journey of infertility. And that leads us to that question of, okay, but how do I live this out while trying to conceive? How do I live out my identity? My identity is I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir of Christ. I have been given this grace that I'm no longer held accountable. Everything has been nailed to the cross through Jesus Christ. I am now called to take up my cross and follow him but how do I live that out with these feelings of frustration over my fertility journey? And we do that according to scripture and truth. So we draw near to God as he draws near to us. It is important for us to be in God's word to deal with these feelings that are rooted in lies of the enemy because that's what they are. 
any time that you entertain the thought of being forgotten by God, you are entertaining a lie from the enemy. That is not the truth. That is not based in truth. It is not God's word. It's not God's spirit. It is the enemy. So the remedy to that is drawing near to the Lord so that you hear his voice supreme. You hear his story supreme. You hear his mercy and his grace. Like literally you're capturing his character and his essence because you're so close to him by spending so much time in his word. That's how you deal with those feelings of, I feel forgotten, I feel frustrated, I feel angry. And then you learn to take every thought captive. And I did a masterclass on this. If you are really struggling with your thoughts, I just challenge you to go purchase that masterclass. It's already recorded. All you have to do is purchase it down at the link below and you will get access to it right away. But it teaches you how, like how to start changing those thoughts according to scripture. Like that is our role. It says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. That is what God's word says. So it is to remind ourselves of what is true. I know that I feel this way. I know that I feel forgotten by God, but it is not true. What's true is that in God's great mercy and grace, he remembered me in my sin and nailed it all to the cross, died for me. And now again, in my suffering, he is still being merciful and still being gracious to me and providing every single day for me to draw near to him, for me to take up my cross and follow him, to truly learn on a consistent basis how it is to die to self. And then the last thing of how we live this out is that we rebuke the lies externally, literally saying out loud, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Like that thought is not based in truth. That is not from the Lord. I will not allow that thought to permeate my heart or my soul. I will rebuke that in Jesus's name because that's literally the enemy just attacking your thoughts and your minds. But again, until you're armed with how to change your thoughts, it's going to be really difficult for you to wage war on your thoughts because you're just sitting there in these feelings. And we think that we need to fix our feelings, but really it's our thoughts that dictate how we feel. So when you are thinking, God has forgotten me, now you feel defeated, discouraged, bitter, angry. So we need to go to the thoughts, uproot the thoughts, replace them with God's word and the truth and rebuking the enemy in the process. And then what we get as a result is the action of growing closer to the Lord, truly living out that scripture of taking up our cross. And we're dying to ourself. We're dying to our self-timing. We're dying to our self-idealistic version of life. We're dying to our dreams and our plans. And we are stepping into the fruit of what God has for us, which is always going to be better than ours because of going back to that question of who is God? When we look at that passage, how can we believe that his plan would be worse than what our plan would be? We can't because I don't know about you, but there's not one person yet who I have died for, which means that I am not merciful and gracious in the same capacity that God is merciful and gracious. And I definitely am not slow to anger. I'm not abounding. In, like there, I just look at that passage. And I'm like, I'm not even close to that. So how could I sit there and be like, oh, my plan is better, Lord. Like if you would just get on the same page with me and just do what I'm asking you to do. 
everything will be Gucci, right? That is just not, that's just, again, going back to the lies of the enemy. So just to recap, when our feelings don't align with the truth and we believe the lie that God has forgotten us, we need to dig back into the foundation of who is God and what has he done for me. That's where we start. Then we move into the question of what does that mean about me? Who am I as a result of who God is? And then we end up in the place of how we should live this out as a result. So our foundation is identity and character of God and self. And then as a result, we're able to live out while navigating, trying to conceive. As we draw near to him, we take every thought captive and we rebuke the lies of the enemy. If you found this episode encouraging, I would absolutely love for you to screenshot it and tag me at Courtney Dunker or the Waiting Well podcast so that I can see. And thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, I hope to see you in one of our masterclasses. Everything will be linked in the show notes. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.